Lies, truth. Fiction, fact. Opinion, what actually happened. And how do we work it out? As an exercise professional, this has been one of my biggest challenges my entire career path because there's so much contradicting information about everything. There's very few things you can actually say that's a fact. And when it comes to eating, exercise, being healthy, anti-aging, nutrition, all of the stuff that is to do with the human body, there is literally opposing opinions, opposing science, opposing professors of uh, at every, every single topic you can possibly think of. Uh, and then we live in a world now where, it, as I shared, it used to be a fictional fact, it used to be lies and truth, but now we've got disinformation, misinformation. Uh, you can't say that because it's politically incorrect. That's not true, but it used to be. Uh, it's true now, but it won't be in the future. And there's a whole heap of, you know, that great quote, it doesn't matter which way you slice it or how thin you slice it, there's always two sides. Uh, so where do we sit particularly when it comes to being healthy, being fit, being strong and have a body that can cope with the massive challenges that the world throws at us? Uh, and I would love, and I'm sure you do too if you're an exercise professional, parent, teacher, coach, to be able to deliver the right information, to deliver factual information, to avoid the fiction, to avoid the disinformation. Uh, but how do we work that out? And uh, it's a really interesting process. Uh, and could it come down to each individual person? Because... Regardless of what topic you pick, is it possible that there are people that will disagree with you? So let's just say you believe that plant-based eating vegan vegetarian is the best way to eat. Uh, did you know, are you aware, that there are people that have the exact opposing view, opposing view? They believe that you should only eat meat. In fact, there are some people, even professors of cardiology, endocrinology, uh, people who study longevity and, and uh, the reasons we become obese will suggest that we should only eat the flesh of animals. That's where we're going to get the best uh, nutrition for our body. Uh, there are people who believe you should eat once a day and there are people who believe that you should eat five times a day or more. There are people who believe that you should uh, stretch after, before and after every exercise session and there are people who believe that stretching is a waste of time. There are people that believe that you should put ice on an injury and people who believe that you should heat an injury. You should never put ice on it because that slows down the recovery process. There are people who believe that you should exercise three times a week and there are people who believe you should exercise three or more times per day. Uh, and they all come with their own, uh, and it might come like this, research so shows, science shows, uh, the clinical uh, observations have made, I believe, my opinion is, this is what you should do. And then we might even have the preachers who say, can't have, mustn't have, don't have, shouldn't have, must do, can't do, have to do, don't do. And there's a lot of that going on. And if I give you any topic and I ask you any question about any topic, uh, is it possible that you will already have an opinion? And if the answer is yes, is it possible that there are other people that will have a different opinion to yours? So how do we deliver great information as an exercise professional who wants to help people to be healthy, fit and strong? How do we deliver information that doesn't offend, doesn't hurt, doesn't make people angry, doesn't cause an argument, isn't labelled as misinformation or disinformation or the beautiful one now that we've had for quite a while now, fake news. That's just not true, it's fake. 
Uh, and I don't have an answer for you because there are so many opposing views. What I would love us all to consider though as exercise professionals is that each person is unique, is different, is an individual with their own opinions, their own beliefs, their own convictions, their own life experience, things that have worked for them, things that haven't worked for them, uh, science that they've had access to and perhaps science that they haven't had access to. So if we start delivering information, is it possible that we could, yes, hurt, offend, make people angry uh, and just destroy the relationship right at the start because we deliver information rather than asking questions. And I'll go a step further. Is it possible that there are opposing views about food, eating, nutrition, exercise, physiology, the way the human body works even, that the opposing view still works? Are there people who are vegan vegetarians who are healthy, fit and strong? Yes. Are there people who are carnivores who are healthy, fit and strong? Yes. Are there people who believe that you should weigh a certain weight and they would argue that that is the healthy weight and there are other people who are over or under that weight and they live happily over or under that weight? Are there people who say you should eat this amount of protein every day and some people eat more or less than that and they're still healthy, fit and strong? Uh, are there people, and I'll go, I'll go into a, a little bit more controversial topic. There are people who believe in God and there are atheists. And I'll use that as an example because when I was growing up, I didn't have any access to an atheist. I didn't know what somebody who didn't believe in God, first of all, I didn't know that they existed because I was brought up in a bubble of there is a God, uh, the world was created by creation, and this is how the world works. And that's how I was brought up, and that was my, my cultural belief, my religious belief, my family belief, and, uh, and um, that's how I was brought up. Uh, there are other people, and when I came in contact with them, it was difficult for me to even comprehend that there were people that didn't believe that there was a God and that the world uh, wasn't five or 6,000 years old. It was billions and billions and billions of years old and that I, I was wrong. That was the, the, the argument. No, Roe, you're wrong. We, we evolved from a spark in the ocean and the world wasn't created in seven days. And I'm using that as an example because... I could have got into an argument about that. Uh, and there's a lot of my upbringing that was totally, uh, in fact, I used to get into trouble at school because I would ask questions that didn't have answers. And I was told you have to have faith, or you just have to believe. Uh, and these people who say, no, the world wasn't created in, in seven days and it is more than six or 7,000 years old now, uh, that concept of just believing and have faith doesn't make any sense because they would suggest that the science says that the world is many, many millions and billions of years old. So which is right and which is wrong? And there's a, you, you will probably have an opinion and right now you're saying, well, this is what I believe and I'm right. And somebody else will say, no, this is what I believe and I'm right. And I actually don't know. I wasn't there. <laughs> I don't know what happened 5,000 years ago, and I certainly don't know what happened 50 billion years ago. I wasn't there. Uh, people talk to me about what goes on inside the human body, and there are endocrinologists and cardiologists and, and psychologists who say one thing, and there's another group that say another thing. Well, I've never been inside the human body, so I don't know. I don't have the years and years and years of study that they have had, particularly in one area, for them to have an opinion about that. But here's the interesting thing. The opposing ologists, 
have got the same, most of them have got the same degree, the same medical degree. They're professors or they're, they're associate professors of universities. They've had thousands and thousands of hours of study and yet they have an opposing view. Uh, so where do I fit in as an exercise professional? I'm in the middle. There's can't have an opinion, be quiet, you're not allowed to. Or there's Rowie's opinion, and of course I'm allowed to have my opinion, you're allowed to have yours. Uh, but where does that sit for our client, uh, the people we want to help to be healthy, fit and strong? Do we preach carnivore or, carniv- uh, or veg- vegan vegetarian? Do we preach eat once a day? Do we preach eat three times a day or five times a day? Do we preach breakfast is the most important meal of the day or do we preach you shouldn't eat to four o'clock in the afternoon? Do we preach that, preach that you should be stretching or do we preach that you, should, you don't need to stretch? Do we preach that uh, it's important to put ice on an injury? Do we preach that you should never put ice on an injury? Because they're the opposing views. How about this? Why don't we ask our client? Before we have to rever- reverse the words and take our foot out of our mouth, Wouldn't it be really nice to find out what the person in front of us believes? What do they think is the right thing for their body? And is it possible if we were being respectful and even responsible uh, that we would like other people to ask us? uh, If we're going to take responsibility for our own body, should we be making the decisions rather than being told what to do? And there's two parts there. One is a lot of exercise professionals will share with me, no, Roe, my clients just want me to tell them what to do. They say, tell me what to eat and they tell me, tell me how to exercise. So that's one part. I want to be told what to do. But the reverse of that is, or the second concept is, that whatever opinion you have and whatever you tell somebody to do, what if you're wrong? What if there's an opposing opinion that's completely completely opposite and if you even if you preach and tell somebody what to do what not to do what they can can't and shouldn't have what if it doesn't work for them and what if it sends them in the wrong direction and this is my big risk I feel very responsible for this because if I tell somebody what they can't have and I'll use that as an example you can't have and I didn't ask them what their favorite food was but let's just say I tell them you can't have chocolate not knowing that that's their favorite food and they love to eat it every day. Now, there's two things that could happen. One is that person might not eat chocolate ever again because I told them to and they trust me. Or they do and they feel guilty. So even though I told them what they can't do, they do it, but now they feel guilty because somebody's told them that it's bad. Or they don't eat it, but they feel miserable for the rest of their life because they can't have and they shouldn't have and they mustn't have and they know that they'll feel guilty if they do. And all of that, of course, causes stress. So should we find out, first of all, what's going to be best for our client and how do we know that if we didn't ask? So there's a simple series of questions that seem to be so obvious and so common sense and yet so unused, which is a bit like common sense, isn't it? Very uncommon. Should we ask people specifically what they want to do? Obviously, as an exercise professional, we can help them do that because we have access to, if you understand your anatomy and physiology, you can help everybody get fit and strong. Every single person on the planet, you have the ability to make their life better by improving their fitness and improving their strength. But is it possible we can't do that if we don't ask about them? If, if they don't do it, we can't help them. So we've got to find out what they can do, what they can't do, what they don't want to do, what they're prepared to do so that we can actually get them started. And if they get started, is it possible they might keep going if we give them the right information? So yes, we can help them. What do you want to do? 
confidently, yes, of course I can help you to do that. But once we've done that, what's the next thing that you want to do? And then what's your long-term goals? And I think this is something that we forget because we talk about, in the exercise profession, we tend to talk about lose weight, uh, fit into your clothes, look good for summer, 12-week challenge. And we lock things into these short time frames. But when you're as old as I am, it's really exciting to know that you can... When I was 20, I thought that 30 was really old. I, had, I, had, I never dreamed that I would have energy and vitality and enthusiasm for life at 30 because I thought that was really old. What's super cool and super exciting now is that 40, 50, 60, and now 70, 80, 90, 100 plus is looking exciting because when you're fit and strong and you maintain your muscle and you've got a fast metabolism and you've got a stack of energy... It's possible that you could be healthy, fit and strong past 100 plus. You could have great quality of life. So why don't we ask people that? What do you want now? Yes, we can help you achieve that. Of course we can. What would you like to do after you've done that? Because we want to reset your goals every time you achieve something. And then what's your long-term goal? Because if we want people to stick to something for the rest of their life, then of course we want to know how long they want to live, what kind of quality of life they want to have, what kind of activities they want to be doing. And then shouldn't we be responsible enough to set up an eating and exercise plan for them that they can actually stick to for the rest of their life? And that's my uh, big challenge with both sides of the science, with all of the different opinions, all the opposing and contradicting opinions. Regardless of which one you choose, there are people who live a long time with great quality, have a stack of energy, look great in their clothes, in and out of their clothes, and they're doing the opposing opinion. So if you believe that people should be a vegan vegetarian, what about the people that are carnivores and still have a stack of energy and they're very healthy and they've got all the biomarkers of being a healthy human? If you believe that breakfast is the most important meal of the day, but there are people who don't eat till four o'clock in the afternoon, would never eat breakfast because they don't like it, and they're healthy, fit and strong, and they're in great shape, and they've got great quality of life, do we need to argue with that? And that's probably my question. Shouldn't we find out what's going to work best for each individual person? What can they stick to for the rest of their lives? And as you know, I always use the smartest principle because for me, it's the, the ultimate checkup or check-in tool for whether somebody can do something long-term. Smarties is simply, can you stick to this for the rest of your life? S, M is moderation. Uh, a is achievable, realistic, time efficient, interesting, enjoyable. And is it based on sense, common sense? Sometimes we call that science. But I can't talk about science anymore as an exercise professional. The only set science that we have is anatomy. And that's why I always I, I beg now. If you're an exercise professional and you don't have a really good fundamental foundation understanding of not just the muscles and bones, heart and lungs, so skeletal, muscular, cardiovascular, respiratory system, but how all those systems work together with the endocrine system, with the central nervous system, with the immune system, with the digestive system, how do they all work together to create a healthy, fit, strong body? And if you don't understand all of those or you, have, you can't explain them simply, and I think there's a big differentiation there, it's one of the things that those scientists that contradict each other sometimes have a challenge with, yeah? Where they, they deliver information that we can't really understand. And I always ask, if you are an exercise professional, not only would it be great to please study and learn and understand how the human body works and how the body systems work together to get us healthy, fit and strong, but should we be able to explain it in the most simple way possible? So I always ask this question. If you can explain it to a five, six or seven-year-old child 
and they can then go and explain it to their friend. Now we've got it down. We've, we've actually got it down into a into something that people can literally understand. But that's the only part of what we do that can actually be called a fact, anatomy. Because even physiology gets argued. Uh, and some of the big arguments that come with physiology, and you might not know this, but when you hang out with the medical professionals that I do, there are uh, doctors of nutrition that argue, one group will argue that you shouldn't eat fibre because it's bad for you, and another group will say that you have to eat fibre because it's good for you. There's some people that say uh, LDL... Uh, low-density low lipoproteins are the dangerous, bad cholesterol in your body. And there's other cardiologists that say that, that that doesn't matter, that cholesterol measurement doesn't matter. There are cardiologists and endocrinologists that suggest that uh, you shouldn't do any exercise at all because exercise has no benefit whatsoever uh, to weight loss and to, and to losing weight uh, and, to, and to having a body that's in great shape. And there are other endocrinologists, cardiologists, exercise physiologists that... Uh, it will probably have a punch-up fight to say that exercise is the most important part of getting the human body into great shape and that food plays such a, a little role. There's a big argument. Is it 80-20 for food or is it 80-20 for exercise or is 100 for food and 100 for exercise? So these things are all argued. And if you deliver information to your client to say, you must do this, you have to do this, you can't have, mustn't have, don't have any of these... What if another expert comes along and disagrees with you? And you might say, yeah, but my client trusts me and they love me and they're going to listen to what I've got to say. A couple of things there. What if you're not there anymore? What if you go on holidays? What if you move? What if they move and they come in contact with somebody else? But we live in a world now where anybody can Google anything at any time. And if you Google something as, as broad as weight loss, how many opinions and ideas will you get about weight loss that could be opposing to yours? So how about this? How about we learn our anatomy and specifically our anatomy? How does, what is the human body made of and how do those body systems work together to get us fit and strong? And if you know how to get people fit and if you know how to get people strong, could the only next part or the only important part after that be that we find out about, about each individual person? So what do you want to do? Why do you want to do it? What have you done before? What did you like? What didn't you like? What worked for you? What didn't work for you? Uh, what food do you love to eat? What food don't you like to eat? Could they be really important questions? Because once we start delivering information that either goes against what our client believes or is passionate about or has an opinion about versus if we go against the two contradicting views in the world, what are we going to do when that person comes to us and says, well, what do you think about this, Rowie? You've told me I should be a vegan vegetarian, but my cardiologist told me that I should be a carnivore. You told me that I should have uh, this particular measurement for my cholesterol levels in my, my blood, and my, my cardiologist has told me that I should be exactly the opposite, or cholesterol doesn't matter. You've told me that I should eat fiber, and my nutritionist told me that fiber doesn't matter. You've told me that breakfast is the most important meal of the day, and I've been to a, a naturopath that told me that I shouldn't eat till 4 o'clock in the afternoon. They're all the, the things that people argue about. And I don't, number one, I don't like arguing. I think it's a complete waste of time because as I always share, a person convinced against their will is of the same opinion still. But here's an even better question. What does it matter? Whatever my opinion is and whatever your opinion is, why do we have to agree? 
Why can't we just find the best thing for each individual person? If somebody loves to exercise in the morning, let them exercise in the morning. If somebody else prefers to exercise at night, let's organize for them to have a great exercise program in the evening. But you might passionately believe that exercise is better in the morning. And I use that as an example. I do. I think it's awesome to start the day with your heart pumping and and, uh, happy neurotransmitters pumping through your brain and you're set up for a much better day. But if you try and force some people to exercise in the morning, you know they never will because their life is not designed for them to get up and exercise in the morning. So wouldn't it just be a really great idea to ask when is the best time of, of the day for you to exercise? What about instead of telling people you have to eat breakfast, it's the most important meal of the day, what about this beautiful question? What's the best time of the day for you to eat food? When do you enjoy your food the most? When do you get the most benefit out of eating food? Uh, the Breakfast being the most important meal of the day, I'm going to use that as, again as an example. As I say this, breakfast is the most. Most of the world could complete the sentence, breakfast is the most important meal of the day. Breakfast is the most important meal of the day. But why do we believe that? And now I'm going to challenge you on everything you currently believe because it's something that I did to myself. And of course, I have a husband who's a health scientist who asks questions about everything. There's nothing about what what came in uh, his incredibly intelligent brain as a a scientist. Uh, There's no opinion there. It's all about the numbers and the exact science, not how many studies and and who did the study and who paid for the study. All he looks at is the numbers in the study as a scientist. And it's really interesting because he's forced me everything that I've ever believed, everything I've ever said, everything I've ever delivered to my clients. He's forced me to think really clearly about the question, why do you believe that? Why do you say that? And the two two of my favorite questions, why is that and how does it work? Why do you believe that and how does it work? So I've challenged myself on every single one of my beliefs. Everything from uh, is there a God versus there's no God, which is what I was brought up with, to breakfast is the most important meal of the day. Well, why? Please explain very clearly, clearly and precisely what happens if you eat breakfast versus you don't eat breakfast. And you might have an opinion about that, but I'm, this is a really important thing. Not your personal opinion, but where did that come from? What's the science to back it up? What's the actual physiology and or anatomy to back that up? Not just it's a normal thing that we say, breakfast is the most important meal of the day, and we just say it. And I'll use that as an example. Uh, you should always stretch. There's a really good one. Well, when you go into all the research being done on stretching versus non-stretching, uh, all the different kinds of stretching, there's a big argument about it. But it seems that everybody that exercises will stretch before they exercise. And there's an argument to say that you'll actually damage your muscles if you, if you cold stretch. Then there's a suggestion that you should warm up, then stretch, and then go. But that, I always ask this question. If I warm up and then I stretch, don't I cool down when I'm stretching? All I'm asking is that you start asking some of those questions as well. Uh, water's a classic. How many of us were brought up with eight glasses of water a day or two litres of water a day? And it was just, we repeat it verbatim like some robot, like a parrot. Here's a great question. Have you become the expert in somebody else's opinion? And if you have, 
uh, what a great, uh, today might be the day you go, hallelujah, I now realize that I've been the expert in somebody else's opinion. I've been regurgitating somebody else's opinion. And from this day forward, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm going to actually start asking questions. Why do I do that? And how does it work? So water's a classic because the, the big one's eight glasses. The next one you'll hear is two liters. Some people say, and I went to a conference and actually watched a woman do this. Uh, she had five glasses on the, on the bench and she had five cups of coffee on the bench. And she said that every time you have a cup of coffee, you will lose, and I think it was two or three glasses of water, don't quote me, but it's an enormous amount that if you drink coffee, you're going to lose an enormous amount of water, which means you're going to dehydrate when you drink coffee. Well, let's find out what actually happens when you drink coffee. And again, there's opposing views on that. But she was quite a a well-spoken woman and she was well-dressed and she had qualifications and and she sounded sincere and she sounded like she was telling the truth. Did you know that we can be sincerely wrong? We can be passionately sincerely wrong. And I don't want to be that person. How about you? (laughs) I don't want to be regurgitating somebody else's opinion only to find out that what I was regurgitating wasn't true. It was just somebody else's opinion. So how about this? Instead of just saying the statement because we've been saying it for such a long time or believing it because some somewhere in our past we we started believing it and we're not even sure why. What if we analyze everything we say right now, everything we believe, every opinion we have? Where did it come from? Why do I believe it? What's the science to back it up? Is there opposing science? Uh, what's been my personal experience? What what has been other people's personal experience? And even if I think this is absolutely positively true, uh, would it be a really good idea to find out what the other person thinks before I blurt out my opinion or, or my beliefs so that I don't offend somebody, I don't hurt their feelings? Now, you may well be the person that likes to have an argument. You may well be the person that likes to get on social media and type things to people to say, you're wrong and I disagree with you and these are the reasons why. And I think that there's a fair bit of... Um, uh, This is a fair bit of pleasure in that for some people to disagree with what other people are saying. Uh, I'm the person who wants to help my clients to be healthy, fit and strong for the rest of their lives. I'm going to ask you that question. If that's you and you don't want to get caught up in the fashion and the fads and the misinformation and the disinformation and the fake news, all the stuff that we're bombarded with, why don't we find out? what our client wants and give it to them in the best possible way so they can actually stick to it for the rest of their lives. And most importantly, even if there's an opposing opinion, and I always use this example, and these are my four favorite questions about any eating or exercise plan. Do you have a stack of energy? Are you performing at your best? Do you love what you see in the mirror and are you getting the results that you want? And if somebody says yes to me, the only thing I say is congratulations because most people can't say yes to those four. They might say yes to one or two or none, but very few say yes to four. So if somebody's got a stack of energy, they're performing at their best, they love what they see in the mirror and they're getting the results that they want, yay! (laughs) I'm not going to argue. I'm not going to disagree. Even if they say no, but they're opinionated about what they should do, I'm still not going to argue or disagree. Because the only way I can build a relationship with somebody is if we trust each other. And trust seems to have a lot to do with, uh, I like you, <laughs> I want to spend time with you, uh, I, want, I, I like that you respect my opinion, I like that you respect who I am. 
And if we're constantly disagreeing and arguing with people, is it possible that we won't have a relationship with them? We'll break that relationship straight down. So two parts. Number one is everything I believe, everything I've told people, every time I words come out of my mouth that is a statement, could it be a really good idea for me to ask, is it true? How do I know that it's true? Why is it true? And is it just my opinion or is it actually fact? And even if it is fact, before I deliver it to somebody else, could it be a really good idea to find out about the other person? But most importantly, the ultimate communication tool that I've ever been given. Instead of delivering information, statement, 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 could it be easier? Could it be less confrontational? Could it build better relationships? If before the words come out of our mouth, we ask, how can I turn this statement into a question? And one of the biggest challenges in the exercise profession is we're constantly justifying what we believe or what we think or, or why we have an opinion. Well, you're, you have the right to your opinion. I have the right to mine. Everybody has the right to theirs. But rather than defending your opinion, why not ask the other person to defend theirs? And when you ask a question, is it possible that's exactly what you're doing? So you could say, breakfast is the most important meal of the day. And now you've made a statement and you've opened yourself opened yourself up for having to defend that because there will be now literally thousands if not millions of people that will disagree with that statement they will say no breakfast is not the most important meal of the day and here are the reasons why but what if you change the statement to what if breakfast wasn't the most important meal of the day how do we know which is the most important meal of the day is it possible that some people prefer to eat in the morning and some people prefer to eat in the evening and what would be the difference and now I've made a question or I've turned a statement into a question and somebody else would have to justify what they believe rather than me having to justify what I believe could it keep our mind open would it be a good idea to keep our mind open as professional people rather than making statements and last but not least if I'm talking and making a statement Am I not just listening to what I already know? And I learnt this from, I didn't know that there were atheists. I didn't know that there were people that didn't believe in God. So I could argue my opinion, but I would never find out anything about an atheist or a person who doesn't believe in God if I just argued with them. So I'm really happy to say, tell me about that. And they're my three favourite questions when it's something that I don't know about or something that is different to my opinion. I always ask, tell me about that. Is that important to you? Why do you believe that? Tell me all about that. Why do you believe that? And is that important to you? And is it possible that if I ask those questions and listen carefully that I could avoid those horrible arguments and confrontations and I could actually learn from other people rather than arguing with them? Wouldn't it be nice to learn from other people instead of arguing with them? Great question.